Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by actor, model, singer, and musician. You may have seen him in Scorned or Frenemies on ID Discovery. Currently on tour with the Legally Blonde, the musical. Allegedly only eats biscuits and gravy with iced coffee. We welcome James O'Black. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Thanks for having me. What an intro that was. Absolutely great. James, let's go be on the mic. You roller skate, walk on stills, play the piano, accordion, and tuba. Why is Warner such a fun role in Legally Blonde? Warner is such a fun role. You know, if you've seen the movie, you know Warner. You know, he's the guy that Elle Woods is dating in the beginning of the film. And, you know, he dumps her and goes to law school, which is kind of... uh, Kind of not a nice thing to do. So I actually, I mean, it's sort of fun to be the villain, to be honest. Really? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I would like to consider myself a nice guy in life. So it's just kind of fun to step into those shoes and sort of uh, see how the other half lives. You know, he's very a uh, boy band. He's very kind of Wall Street, a, kind of a more suave version of me. So it's kind of fun to uh, pretend a little bit. So in your relationships, are you considered the nice guy? It depends who you ask, but I think so, yeah. <laughs> How has your relationship with Hannah and the rest of this cast grown closer from the first show to today? It's an amazing process. You know, as you said, I've you know done a few tours and I've been doing it for a while and you really grow close as a family. You, you travel together, you perform together, you live together in hotels. Uh, Hannah Bonnet is ama- an amazing leading lady. She is, you know, the helm of this company and just does it with such grace and is so lovely to work with every night. We're definitely tight and, you know, we're, we're on it together. We, we go through a lot. Great shows, but also, you know, moments of, you know, we miss our homes and there's elements to it that are that are tricky. So we bond and we are all doing what we love to do. So it really, uh, you know, it keeps morale high. I've seen video evidence. What's the weirdest thing about Hannah? Um, oh, is that is that a rumor that we heard? I think uh, Hannah. That's not okay. Let's, let's get this out of the way. Biscuits and gravy <laughs> and iced coffee. I've seen video evidence. Is it true or not? It is true. I, uh, I survive solely only on biscuits and gravy and iced coffee. It's my favorite go-to breakfast item when we're at the hotel breakfasts. I love biscuits and gravy. And you'll probably catch me with a nice coffee in my hand no matter how cold it's out. So I guess it is true. But you know what, Hannah, she, her, I think her weirdest thing is that she loves to hand out stickers to people. She's like a kindergarten teacher. She has her stickers. She hands them out. She gets mad if you don't take one. You got to take her stickers and her, and she has snacks in her dressing room at all times too. So you got to make sure you visit and grab a sticker and a snack at all times. (laughs) What's the best snack she shares? Reese Cups. You produced your self-titled album during the pandemic. How did yeah. that change the way you see your art? That's a great question. I uh, I mean, obviously, as an artist, we all had to kind of pivot a bit during the pandemic. I was, you know, just starting a production of a, a musical that was making its, you know, regional premiere at the time. I'm fortunate enough to have other skill sets. You know, I play the piano, I sing, I've worked with bands and, you know, have headline shows in New York and across everywhere, really. So I was able to kind of lean into that. And, you know, I think the pandemic asked of us, you know, like, what else can you do? Are you really defined by your art? And if you are, like, how are you able to to kind of mold that and adjust it and just kind of turn the frequency in either direction to stay relevant and successful in a time where, you know, what we were doing was sort of deemed unessential, you know? So, like, I was really excited to be able to, because, you know, my schedule really freed up, I was able to just hone in on my own, my own personal work and kind of bring my own point of view to things. 
which sometimes when I'm on the road or I'm a part of a, you know, a television show or a production, you know, we kind of just have to form to that and that company and that role. You know, we have to maintain, you know, the exact same show for months at a time. So like the pandemic, even though it closed a lot of roads that I thought I needed to be on, it really kind of allowed me to pave my own exact, uh, path for myself james o black from legally blonde the musical out on tour right now joins us beyond the mic james what's the best thing about fire island during the pandemic i mean i was on the beach <laughs> it was really cool that fire island was just sort of an accident honestly you know once everything shut down a friend of mine and i you know we had been out there for a few times you know we know some of the bar owners out there that we've worked with them and we were like they have staff housing for their you know bartenders and their summer staff but they were empty so we just kind of looked at that as an opportunity. We were like, we reached out. We're like, hey, we know you have these, you know, they're beach shacks, you know, but we were like, it's out in the wilderness. It felt very safe out there. You know, we were then close enough to the city in case we had to be back. But really, one of my best friends and I just kind of like boarded up in a beach shack and we're out there for a while. And I just started playing the piano on, on the boardwalk one day. That sort of led to another whole different kind of opportunity, you know, which now I have a residency out there. I perform out there in different, you know, venues and parties and just kind of another way of how being resourceful really pays off as an artist. When people see Legally Blonde the musical for the first time, what do you want them to feel? You know, if you're a fan of the movie, obviously you're going to love the show. But even if you've never seen the movie, you're also going to love the show. It's super heartwarming. The show really even though the movie came out so long ago, it's still super relevant in our society today. I'm just very excited about young women that are coming to see the show. You know, this show is about girl power, empowerment. It's about standing up for yourself. It's about being yourself. And, you know, so much, I think, it's hard to do those kinds of things. So it's nice that like in a very cushy musical comedy vibe, you still have this immense amount of heart and soul in the show and i think that's really what you walk away you walk away singing laughing but also empowered james o black from legally blonde the musical joins us beyond the mic and it's time for the rocking eight it's just eight random questions answer what the first thing that comes to your mind james there is no pressure i'm i'm feeling the pressure sean are you sure no pressure <laughs> best place on the right state university campus the creative arts center other than rod what character on avenue q do you relate with the most Princeton. There is no cheating during the Rocking Eight. Lucy the Lucy the slut. <laughs> if you could have ten minutes with any actor or musician, who are you picking? How are you gonna spend those ten minutes? Uh, John Legend. I want to sit down on the piano with John Legend and just pour souls out together. Which theater is your favorite of all time? Uh, the Human Race Theater Company, where I did Avenue Q. What's the best thing to do in Cleveland? Come swim at the pool at my parents' house. <laughs> So, James, who's the troublemaker or practical joker on the cast? Hmm. Probably his name's Brandon, and he's the youngest member of our cast, and he is so talented, but uh, he likes to pull little pranks, and uh, he's hilarious. What's the one comfort item? And there's always one that you bring because you want to remind yourself of home. What's that one comfort item you brought out on tour? I have this bathrobe that I call my Jedi Knight robe. Because it has a hood and it's very sleek, and I put it on when I need some extra push uh, to get done. It. Do you have a secret place to go on vacation? Ooh, it's a secret. I don't know. I don't really live a secret life, so I'm trying to think of some place I've been that I honestly just like a day, like a stay vacation in New York. 
You know, I love just taking a day just to go to Central Park, Sheep's Meadow, you know, and just like lay out in the park, just read a book, get lost in a book or something and just disappear, turn off my phone and, you know, sort of like a staycation, I think. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. James O'Black from Legally Blonde the Musical joins us Beyond the Mic for the back half. James, how have you changed from middle school to today? And what would you have told your middle school self on this path of adventure and travel? Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously we mature as we get older. I would hope to think I've matured since middle school. But I think just kind of handling my uniqueness and talent and point of view. You know, I think obviously growing up in Ohio, you know, as like a little piano player, I I felt a little bit different, you know, and I didn't realize, you know, really what that meant. And I wasn't able really to hone in on that. And I think I honed in on that when I, you know, got a little bit older into high school and college. And I realized that, you know, like your unique talents are what carry you through your life. You know, I think that I was always pretty confident, but I think just because maybe, you know, I didn't have something to channel that into it, it just like I was a little bit just disruptive, you know, as a middle schooler. I think I was a little bit, you know, scattered. And so I think I just would have told myself just to kind of stay like steadfast, you know, stay like steady in what you're doing, you know, hone in on what it is that like is making you unique and don't shy away from it. Because, you know, now that I'm like doing my thing and writing my album, you know, my mom, she'd always be like, you're going to thank me one day for dragging you to these piano lessons and making, you know, and, and I do, you know, I very much do. So maybe I'd also tell myself to listen to my mom a little bit more. I hope she listens to this. What's the one thing that you do that drives your mom crazy? I always, I don't know how I do it, but I always get water on the bathroom floor when I'm home. I like, I don't know. Like I, I just always like get the bathroom. Like now I'll clean up with towel, but before I was aware that I did it, it would just drive her crazy. And I have a roommate on tour and he said the same thing. He goes, I don't know what, how, what you do, but you managed to get every surface of that bathroom soaking wet. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I guess I just, uh, I'm having a, I'm having a water park or something. Which musical role is the dream one? I mean, you, you want to perform, but you have to be patient to get. If we're talking about a role like in theater or television, you know, I definitely think something that kind of marries all of my special skills, you know, meaning piano, you know, uh, you know, that moving out musical came out, the Billy Joel musical. And, you know, that was something that really is the show that got me into the business. The lead singer of that show went to my high school <laughs> and he can yeah. A little jealousy there. No, no, no. He's much, he was a little older than me. He came and did like work. Like he came and like did like a performance for us. And I was a kid and I saw it and I was like, oh, and everyone said I was Jimmy back then. They call me Jimmy. And they're like, Jimmy, that's you. Like you can do that. Like that's what you're about to do. And I just like, and, it, and it's true. Like that is what I can do. So I'm just kind of waiting, I think for, cause like for me, it's, you know, you are patient in this industry. You do have to wait for the right roles. And when it does happen for me, it makes, it makes perfect sense. You know, and you can't harbor jealousy if you're not getting it and you can't, you know, think you, everyone, once you've gone through the highs and lows of the career, you've seen, you know, people, you start to champion for other people too. Like their moment is just important as your moment. So I think my moment would be like something where I could, you know, they bring back that show or something of that like where, you know, I could not only act and sing, but like bring in something that makes so much sense to me, such as the piano or just that kind of musical sensibility that it would just be a no brainer and it would be mine and it would feel really great to do. So when you got this role, what was that moment like for you, your parents, 
your mom? <laughs> it was great. I, uh, I, as lots of people say, you know, it always comes at a time when you need it, you know, and you're kind of like, how many more auditions do I have to do? And Warner is just kind of a fantasy role. Like, like I said, like there are similarities in our personalities, but like, I, I was a little bit surprised, you know, I, you know, when I was starting to get called back for it. I think that the creative team really leaned into this new version of the show, which sort of they wanted Warner to be a little bit more of a pop singer, a little bit more of a boy band, you know, an updated version, which is not the way I really imagined the role in the beginning. So I was really excited that they saw those elements in me and decided to highlight them and bring them out through auditions and through, you know, presentations to the producers, you know, rather than trying to reinvent the wheel with like someone else, you know, so I think I just was mostly excited that what I did and what I stuck to was actually what they wanted. And of course, my mom shared the same kind of excitement. You know, I think any parent that like watches their kids go into the arts have a certain element of uncertainty with that, you know. And so as you gain more traction and more success, it's just my parents are extremely supportive now. And, you know, they totally understand like what I'm doing and they'll see the shows and they can and you know, I'm very fortunate to have had them, you know, throughout this journey. When you're auditioning for a role, you're trying not to only fit who you are, but for what the role might need from you. How has auditioning changed you and how you've changed for auditions? Totally. And in a competitive market of like New York City, if you can't do it, someone else can and will. <laughs> so I think, you know, what I've taught myself and what like advice I give to like other people doing it is like just kind of continue to do what you do because it is special the more you try to think of it from the other way around you know being like what do they want from me the more you try to fit what you think it is sometimes that's not the way you know what i mean that's that's really not i mean there's certainly an element to it like if you're going in to replace another character on a long-running show you know you want to kind of adapt what that person did and you know they want to see that but if it's not really that kind of situation you you know you want to do what you do because then when it works, it works, you know, and then when it doesn't, then you're just trying too hard and then you're not really being your authentic self. James O'Black from Legally Blonde, the musical right now joining us. I think he's in Nebraska now on tour, coming to a city near you. James, who is the person that inspired you growing up? That's a good question. I think, you know, I grew up listening to, you know, different types of music. I, I have like a big classical music buff, like growing up. I was sort of like in a, you know, listening to just... So how do you go from classical to pop music? This is how. Because I loved movie scores growing up. And I think that like that is the epitome of emotion, creating emotions through music. You know what I mean? I think like if you watch a film without any music, you don't feel anything. But like movie soundtracks, they are like the backbone of like musical emotion. And so I think... I really felt stuff with that. And when I write my own music, I go back to those writers. And when I'm, you know, even watching Broadway shows, it's like those are the moments that really speak to me. I think I'm just always inspired to emotionally connect through something that's bigger than your speech or the way you look or or it's just such a more powerful way of communicating. So what's your favorite movie music? John Williams and James Horner. Uh like titanic right you know like <laughs> so good i'm getting into uh, oh he did the shape of water recently andre desplat i might not be saying it correct 
so good. And also horror film music. The fact that you could listen to a soundtrack, the the woman who won the Oscar for the Joker movie last year, like, and actually be terrified just listening to the music is amazing to me. <laughs> James, whose music do you play when you're sad and lonely? Uh, Adele. <laughs> Probably Adele. Who, who doesn't listen to Adele when they're sad? <laughs> As the road goes on, you move on to the next city. What's the one thing you try to find at each stop? I do love coffee. You know what I mean? Like I do love a nice coffee shop and I love a used bookstore. I do get into reading a lot on when I'm doing tours, just because you have so many times of travel. And, and I find that like used bookstores across the country are so interesting because you know, that, that saying like one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's like, especially like in different regions of the world, like what you can find, like the gems of stories or books or something specific to that region or something that, like a book that you could never find in New York, but you can find it in Nebraska on the shelf. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just cause it's like, no one wants to read that here. So I do love to find a used bookstore or a coffee shop, someplace where I can just kind of be quiet and unwind away from like the hustle and bustle of the theater. The experience on the road isn't something that someone who hasn't done it would understand. I mean, travel on a bus, hotel room. Then you perform travel on a bus, hotel, perform, maybe perform again ad nauseum. What have you learned from this adventure? Sean, that question is so like, nice to hear at this point in the tour too, because, you know, we've been doing this for six months, you know, we're like, we've been doing it for a while and it's like, it is, you, you do not realize sometimes how challenging that is, you know, to constantly be called upon to do eight shows a week on top of traveling. It's, it's very unlike anything, any other job that you could take on. So I think you really learn how to not let like the extra elements affect your performance and affect just your joy personally. You know what I mean? You just kind of kind of to learn like, you know, what types of things bring me joy. Also, what types of things don't, <laughs> you know, like what sort of things like do I need to vibrate and align myself with to continue to be like the person that I want to be. And sometimes that does take, you know, and I'm sure in any career and, you know, I know talking to my friends that do lots of things there are always elements of that in every profession, you know, that like you do just kind of have to bury your head in the work and get through. And and with theater and performance specifically, it comes with a lot of, you know, disappointment and a lot of you get so close to achieving your dream. And we're all so passionate that like you've got to find ways to uh, sometimes detach from like the passion and just like find something else that makes you happy, such as a coffee shop, you know, or such as, you know, like finding a gym that you can go to, to exercise or whatever that means for you. I think I've learned that those things are really almost more important than your talent in sustaining a career. James O'Black from Legally Blonde, the musical joins us beyond the mic. Everyone defines happiness differently. What makes you happy and who tries to keep happiness from you? And how do you keep the darkness from overcoming you? I think, I mean, happiness is, you know, being healthy and being able to, you know, call your best friends or your family and, and having like a support system. And I don't think that a version of me 10 years ago would have said that. I think a version of myself 10 years ago would have said what I'm doing right now is happiness, like creative and like success, you know, defined by like what you want to be when you're in college for acting, you know? And so I think that, uh, as far as protecting it, it's like remembering that you are actually living the dream that you had 10 years ago and that happiness and your goals are allowed to change. They're allowed to take different shape as you get older. And 
and five years from now, like it could be like, I'm ready to settle down and have a family. And like, that will be happiness for me. You know, that like, that's not where I am right now, but it could be later. And so just kind of allowing that change and letting yourself, um, adapt to where your dreams and goals might lead you other than you you're surrounded by so many incredible people yo so much other than you people go and come and they come from different shows and they go to different shows who on this tour other than you will be the next big thing oh you talk about rooting for other performers who are you rooting for yeah well i was just saying we went we had like a night off a few nights ago we all went to a karaoke bar And I was like, oh, my goodness, this cast is so good. You know, sometimes just the role, you only hear them sing a couple lines here and there. But you're like, wow. So I'm working with a young actress. Her name's Emma Wilcox. And look her up now. We actually got to do we right before this, we were casting a production of Footloose before she was Ariel, the lead, uh, the leading lady in Footloose. And I played Chuck Cranston because apparently I'm always cast as a bad guy now. She was so good in that show. So great. And here she is now. We're working together again. And also an outstanding person. You know what I mean? Like someone who is just very solid as a person, hardworking, professional. But, you know, and she's in the ensemble of the show. And, you know, she's dancing. She's twirling. It's just funny because it's like, wow, I just saw her lead an entire company over the summer. And she's here in the ensemble. And anytime she gets to step up, you know, she's an understudy and stuff. It's just her light just shines through. And her light shines through in the little, you know, in the, in the role she has in this show, too. I definitely have stock in her. She's going to be a big star. She is now. But like, but look out. James, when did you know you made it? And what is success for you now? Uh, I honestly think, I mean, the album was a huge moment for me, you know, I think writing writing the album and like getting it out there and not that like it took off and put me on the map in a different kind of way, but just the bravery it took to like put my like real text and emotion and feelings out there. You always don't think you're ready. Like, oh, this isn't good enough. Like I did it on a budget and there's moments like it doesn't sound as good as it could be. And it's not, it's never going to be nominated. I'm never going to be, you know, you know, it's like, it's not going to make it, but it's just like the fact that, I was just like, you know what? I just need to put it out there. That way people can hear it. They know what I'm saying. And then I can have conversations about where to take it. I think that was really the moment for me where I just said, I don't care about how it's received. I need to have this out there. And people that like it, like it. And it's gone and it's taken me to the next place. You're a perfectionist. Yeah, I'm very self-critical. I'm very, you know, I'm... uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a director. I'm, I'm judgmental. Like I, I, I am a perfectionist. I try not to be, but I think there are definitely elements of uh, wanting to make it perfect for sure. <laughs> While we have James O'Black here from Legally Blonde the Musical, we might as well ask him two big questions. Last year, you celebrated the life of your late grandfather, Ed. You pondered about the moment right after death. Do you feel you understand what happens now? No, <laughs> I think that we're not meant to understand. You know, I think that we are meant to question that always, you know, and I think that, uh, I'm, I'm a faith-based person and, you know, I, I do think I have an idea of the afterlife and what that means, but I think our jobs as human is just to kind of sometimes keep a little bit more simple than that and do what we can with our life now and, and have trust and faith that whatever it is, you know, it should be a better place. Will you share with us the best story of you and your grandfather growing up? <laughs> yeah. My grandpa, Ed, he, uh, he was a really hard worker. He owned a farm 
like he had a cattle farm which you know now that i'm like a big new york city boy it's really funny that my roots kind of were like the things that you learn <laughs> on a farm <laughs> And he probably wouldn't like me telling this story, but for some reason, it might not even be my favorite memory, but just, I remember like he would trick me. He would like do little things to me. Like for example, he like gave me an onion once and he told me it was an apple and I took a bite out of it and he would just be like, you know, he was laughing, laughing as, you know what I mean? Like, why not? Like teach this little city boy about, I've watched like, like cattle be like born, you know, like I've watched like literal birth and death and like all sorts of things, like way too young, probably. But I do think that those memories collectively really taught me how somebody can just make a life out of dirt, out of literally nothing. You know what I mean? Like growing crops to sell and grazing cattle out of nothing. You know, like they came from very, you know, humble, poor beginnings. But to watch someone create that life and raise a family out of just out of literally dirt (laughs) It's just, it's come on. Like if you don't believe in a higher power, there it is, you know, like that's amazing. And, and I, I think that's been instilled with me as I've grown up and worked hard. His unique talents developed from being disruptive when he was younger relates to Lucy, the slut and drives his mother crazy by leaving the bathroom moist. James O'Black is Warner in Legally Blonde, the musical out on tour right now. James, thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Sean, thank you so much. This is a very, very fun interview. I appreciate it. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app.